Hey there, and welcome back to the Purpose and Profit Podcast. My name is Jess Sato, and I am thrilled to have you here. Now, if you're new, welcome. This was previously a private podcast, and over the last 12 weeks, as I was experimenting with putting this out there, more and more people said, hey, can you make this public? How can we find this? How can we share this? And from an ease perspective, I thought, well, why the heck not? So what you can expect from me here is straightforward, no-nonsense, practical advice, tips, and strategies that are specifically designed for thought leaders, change makers, and entrepreneurs who have a strong social purpose. We talk a lot here about wanting to find that balance between maximizing purposeful and purpose-driven work while also maximizing profit, all with the goal of amplifying impact. I believe strongly that there is space to do both. We don't need to be in the hustle and grind all the time of building the business at the expense of doing positive, impactful, good work in the world, work that actually makes a difference and moves the needle on some of our most marginalized communities, both here locally and afar. But I also believe strongly that your business does in fact have to make money. It does in fact have to be profitable. And so we strike the balance of both. And in order to do that, we recognize that you have to have access to honest, real information, solid business practices. So what you won't hear from me are flash in the pan ideas. You won't hear me talking a lot about shiny objects. You'll hear me talk a lot about sound business principles, having a strong business strategy, building out a plan that allows you to use your business to create the impact that you want with structure and a plan. We'll talk a lot about messaging and making sure that your big ideas, those things that you fundamentally believe about how we can do good in the world, come to life. And you'll hear me talk about this in the context of visibility. As thought leaders, we have to talk about our ideas. We have to write about our ideas. We have to be willing to and courageous enough to stand up boldly and say what we need to say. For some of my clients, that's the TEDx stage. For others, it's stages of their own making, whether that's in blog form, as a podcast guest, social media, articles, PR. The sky really is the limit in this particular case. So know that we're going to talk a lot about impact. We're going to talk a lot about what social impact is. We're going to talk a lot about how we can use our businesses to really make a positive difference in the world. And you're going to hear me talk a lot about ways that I'm doing that in my own business. So today, we're going to talk about a topic that is rarely discussed, although it is gaining in popularity and that is period poverty. So if you've been around for a while, if you've been following me for a while, 
you know that this is an issue that is important to me. It is an issue that I don't think, especially if you're here living in you know the developed world here in the U.S. in particular, I don't think we think about this very often. But period poverty is essentially a situation where individuals who are menstruating don't have access to, for a variety of reasons, the basic supplies that they need, sanitary products, sanitation facilities, including toilets, hand-washing stations, even waste management systems. When we don't have access to those things, we are effectively in period poverty. And this issue is more than just products and sanitation. It's about having access to good, clear, scientific, research-based menstruation education. It's about having access to information that helps combat shame and stigma associated with menstruation, certainly here in the U.S., but very much so globally. And it's also about having access to supportive policies or seeing supportive policies, things like menstrual leave or having access to free and and or affordable menstrual products, legislation, etc., that helps close this gap in menstrual equity. And so today I want to talk about this because it's an issue that affects millions of menstruators globally. And it has implications that go beyond just the physical, although the physical is a huge component, but has implications for mental health and well-being, anxiety, and then socioeconomic participation in schools and jobs around the globe. Now, one term you may have heard me use already is people who menstruate, and I'm using that term very deliberately. Yes, menstruation obviously affects women and girls, but it also affects our friends who are non-binary and who are transgender. And each individual that is affected, it affects them differently based on where they're coming from. And so I want to be sensitive to this because it is really challenging to navigate all the nuances. And so I'm going to broadly use the term people who menstruate as opposed to just using the term girls or women. So with that said, here in the U.S., there are about 16.9 million people who menstruate who are living in poverty. And of those, two-thirds have said in the last year alone that they are struggling to afford menstrual products. And 14% of those are college-age students who cannot afford proper period products. So I just want you to sit with that for a second. In one of the most advanced societies on the planet, we have 16.9 million people who menstruate who are living in poverty and two-thirds of those cannot afford the menstrual products they need to menstruate with dignity. 
And if we take this number broader and look at the global population, it's even more staggering. 500 million people who menstruate do not have access to the supplies or resources or education that they need, which is one quarter of the menstruating population globally. That's massive. And like I said, the implications of this are not just physical. Yes, when you don't have access to the supplies and the resources that you need from a sanitation perspective to be clean and sanitary, the risk of infection dramatically increases. But there are other implications and they expand to increased anxiety over the inability to afford supplies that you need, decreases in productivity at work, absence from schools, and increased depression. There was an interesting study done by BMC women about the struggles of period poverty among college-age menstruators, and they found that these individuals who were experiencing period poverty within this last year were more likely to report having moderate or severe depression compared to those who were not experiencing period poverty. And while it's true that college-age students do have a whole variety of mental health factors, this study in particular found enough evidence to show that period poverty does affect the mental health of menstruators because of their inability to afford menstrual products monthly. You can see we're talking about a lot of people, and the implications of that are huge. And that's where this question of menstrual equity as a human right becomes really critical. Menstrual equity is about ensuring that everyone has fair and equal opportunity to succeed and not be limited by their menstrual cycle. It's about having universal access to sanitary products proper hygiene facilities, and comprehensive menstrual education. This is, like I said, a human right. It is a critical aspect of closing the gender equality gap. If I put this in a very large context or a broad context, this issue alone has implications for five sustainable development goals. SDG 1, which is about no poverty. SDG 3, which is about good health and well-being. SDG 4, which is about access to quality education. SDG 5, gender equality. And SDG 6, which is clean water and sanitation. So the work that organizations globally are doing to close the, the menstrual equity gap are critical to closing other gaps, and they're all interconnected and interrelated. So what I'd like to do now is give you three ways that as an entrepreneur, you can tackle issues that are important to you. Obviously, on this particular episode, we're talking about menstrual equality and menstrual equity, but you can take your issue and do these three things. You can raise awareness. You can support nonprofits and other organizations who are out there doing the work. And you can advocate. We can advocate for policies that move the needle forward on the issue that is of importance to you. So let me just talk about each of these three very briefly. 
raising awareness is really the first step. For a lot of these issues, there's just a lack of information available. Or people are looking for someone to help them cut through the noise, right? We are in a very crowded environment where there's constant churn, tons of information, and it's sometimes hard to know exactly what we're dealing with. So we can help our audience cut through some of that noise, raise awareness by sharing information on social media, through your email list, if you have office space or a team through your team channels or within other social circles. Raising awareness is where we get to bring other people into the process with us. It's what makes it much easier to have some of these really important conversations and to, from a business perspective, help showcase to potential clients what you're really all about. And to repel those who just don't get it or don't want to get it. So raising awareness has a lot of facets that can be helpful to building some of the elements that we need to create a profitable and purpose-driven business. The second way that we can tackle this is by supporting nonprofits and other organizations who are tackling the issues that are important to us. I've talked about Days for Girls International. In fact, I wrote an entire blog post last week on Celeste Mergens, the founder of Days for Girls, her book, The Power of Days, and have partnered with that organization, offering my time, my hands, and my dollars to help move the needle and address this particular issue. So for a lot of us, this is really one of the easiest, most strategic ways that we can help address the issue that is of importance to us. And the third way that we can take action is through legislative advocacy. Now, if you're not a poli-sci major like I was, you don't have to be. This can be as simple as sending a letter to your congressperson raising your concerns, signing a petition, asking about their stance or encouraging them to take a stand on a particular bill or piece of legislation that is pending. There are a lot of ways that advocacy can be used as a powerful tool for change. And in many ways, advocacy serves as one of the best ways in that we can do a lot of things from a volunteer perspective. We can do a lot of things from a partnership with nonprofit organizations. But if the legislative or legal institutions don't pave the way for those kinds of changes and are acting as a barrier, then it becomes difficult to close those gaps. So advocacy coupled with these other two pieces is a really critical component to actually creating change and moving the needle. When I think about what this has looked like for my own business, this has taken on a couple of different flavors. First, it has looked like me sharing information about menstrual equity, about period poverty, about wins that are happening on the legislative 
trail. And there have been a lot. In fact, there have been all but 11 states have introduced legislation to address period poverty this year. Now, they vary widely, but it has resulted in a number of states making period products tax-free or free and accessible in public spaces, including schools. So that kind of education, that kind of raising awareness is really important because, like I said, a lot of times people just don't know what you know or they've never even thought about it. And I see that a lot with menstrual equity and period poverty. The second way this has taken shape for my business is by bringing people together. I have had the opportunity probably three or four times now to bring groups of individuals together to use their hands and to provide some basic education about this issue. So again, raising awareness and giving them the opportunity to help make sustainable period kits, things that can be used both here locally and also abroad. And we have done this in partnership with Days for Girls International. There are tons of local organizations that want to be a part of what you're trying to do that can provide the access and the population and the insight and information you need in order to do this in the best, most efficient, and most effective way. So I really encourage you to think about how can you partner with and raise awareness and bring people together in order to do this, not just alone, but with impact so that it's not just affecting you and the person or the people who are the beneficiaries, but that other people are brought into this, right? That's where we start to see that really cool amplification and the, the ripple effect of what impact can do for you as an individual, the beneficiaries, but other people who are part of that process. And from a legislative perspective, it's been a very interesting year. Every state except for 11 have introduced legislation that specifically speaks to period poverty. And these range, they cover the whole gamut, everything from eliminating the tampon tax or those taxes on sanitary products that actually contribute to making the cost very prohibitive. It has looked like making period products free in public spaces, including schools. And at the federal level, it has taken on a couple of different flavors, but all still in the same vein, which is that we need to create more access to free period products, particularly in those public spaces like schools, prisons, shelters, and other federal public buildings. We need to eliminate those taxes so that people have access to the things that they need in order to take care of themselves properly. So this is where advocacy becomes really important. Those pieces of legislation didn't come from nowhere. They came from people who saw that this was an issue, maybe that they had never heard of, and said, hey, how can I be part of the solution? That's it. It's really as simple as that. So if there is an issue that is important to you, this is where you get to really use your voice. This is where you get to reach out to your congressperson. This is where you get to march if it's appropriate. This is where you get to fill out petitions if it's appropriate. Whatever is happening in your space that is consistent 
and in alignment with your values, the vision, the mission, all of that, that is where you get to have the most impact. So think about what does that look like for your business? What does it look like to raise awareness? What does it look like to partner with nonprofits? Who are those nonprofits? This is where you can start digging in and figuring out who's doing the work and become a part of it. And then lastly, what is that legislative action that we need to take from an advocacy perspective? So as entrepreneurs, we have just got the most tremendous opportunity to impact issues positively. We can, in my particular issue here, we can create affordable, accessible, and sustainable menstrual products. We can partner with nonprofits, and there are tons. Days for Girls is just one, but there are a whole host of others that are actively out there doing really amazing work um, by donating our profits. We can donate our time. We can volunteer. We can encourage our employees to volunteer. We can do this as an employee-led initiative. There are tons of ways that we can be tackling this. And then lastly, like I said, advocacy, really seeking to influence policy changes and from the menstrual equity side, really encouraging conversations about it, not shying away because it's sort of uncomfortable to talk about, but bringing those issues to light. So I hope today's discussion on period poverty and menstrual equity has given you something to think about. Maybe it's piqued some interest for you on this particular issue, or maybe it's just lit a fire underneath you to think about what would this look like for your own business. So whether you're an individual or an entrepreneur, I want you to know that your contribution from awareness raising to partnering with organizations to advocacy, they all make a significant difference. So I hope this has been helpful to you. I hope that you are feeling some encouragement to really keep pushing the boundaries, to challenge norms around what you're seeing whether that's period poverty, whether that's environmental sustainability, whether that is some other issue that is equally important to you. We have the opportunity to do good, to create a more equitable world. And we can only do that if we start taking a stand on some of those really critical issues. So I will leave you for now in the way that I always do, which is to be bold, be brave, and go make an impact.